maybe I need a glass of wine just to uh, take the edge off. I'm a bag of yeah. nerves. Oh, hon, shaking like a shitting dog. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the podcast where we take a great pop album and talk about it track by track. Or this week, track by girls, by boys, by track. Because on the turntable this week, we have got Sound of the Underground by Girls Aloud. Uh, Brilliant, great, fantastic. I'm definitely going to be at home in this episode today. Not that I'm not usually, obviously. But it is just... I mean, I feel like I'm gushing already... This is a classic British pop album, isn't it? It is. This is the first album Girls Aloud released way, way back in 2003. Hot on the heels of their winning performance in Pop Stars The Rivals back in 2002. Happy day. Happier times. Much happier. Anything apart from this year is happier times now, (laughs) officially. Um, And it's fair to say that we're both big fans of Girls Aloud. I'm probably... Bigger than you? Well, yeah, you have put on a little bit of lockdown weight. I'm sure you won't mind me saying that. Uh, well, I was hoping you hadn't noticed, but when you're having cross-down donuts delivered every other day, then uh, it takes its toll. <laughs> but in all seriousness, yes, we have often have had the Spice Girls, Girls Aloud debate before. And of course, I'm a Spice Girls fan. You're a Girls Aloud fan. But we both do like the... We like a bit of the other as well, don't we? We do like a bit of the other. Uh <laughs> <laughs> if you're unfamiliar with Girls Aloud, shame on you. Uh, but also, they're a girl group formed through Pop Stars Arrivals uh, ITV talent show in 2002. It is comprised of uh, Cheryl, Nadine, Sura, Nicola, and Kimberly. Five lovely ladies. Uh, Dan, uh, do you prefer the lovely ladies of Girls Aloud or the lovely ladies of Spice Girls or the lovely ladies of Bananarama? It's a well, big well, question for the first few minutes of an episode. It really is. And I, obviously, I do feel quite inclined to say Girls Aloud because I'm sure that they've all got, got together to listen to this episode, um, you know, while social distancing, of course. I love Girls Aloud. I, what I like about Girls Aloud is the fact that the music was just so... Uh, I was going to say so cool. Is that is it okay to call it cool? Yeah, is that, I think... Is it cool? Is it- this... Uh, Girls Aloud, their sound and their music they recorded, uh, it's fair to say a lot of people, and I completely agree, made pop music, girl band music uh, cool again. Absolutely. But to put it uh, against the other two as well, what I love about Spice Girls is that they did sort of take over the world and also that they had a big hand in writing their music, which of course, as we'll come on to later, Girls Aloud didn't or didn't really too much. Uh, With Bananarama... I mean, they're practically friends now, aren't they, Will? All the tweet-alongs we've done together and whatnot. Yeah, the next thing you know, we will be heading down to the Slug and Lettuce with them on a Friday night for a few seconds. Yes, and I think there is a deal on, actually, five till seven on a bottle, so... <laughs> That's lovely. Uh, now, we best talk about uh, our choice this week being Sound of the Underground, their first album. Um, Dan, first of all, uh, for our text this week, what specific uh version are we uh, reading from that is a very good question will so yeah the album and 
just to prelude that, the reason we're talking about it is because the album was released 17 years ago this week. 17. If this Girls Aloud album was a, a person, it would be able to drive by now. We're, the original version is now not available on streaming services or actually is as some sort of uh, huge box set thing. But the standard version now on streaming services is the re-release, which came the following December and had Jump For My Love on it, amongst some other changes. So that is the version we're doing. Yeah, I think that covers it, doesn't it, Will? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so this is their debut album released on the 23rd of May, 2003. And they, uh, for this album, they had many different co-writers and producers. From the second album onwards, they worked solely with Xenomania, barring a couple of exceptions for the new tracks on 10, a couple of new tracks on 10, and the Walk This Way collaboration they did with Sugar Babes. So, shall we get stuck in? Side one, track one. This is where it all started for the girls. Sound of the Underground. So, Sound of the Underground there, which has kicked us off for today's Track by Track uh, with Girls Aloud. Dan, what a classic. It really is. I mean, um, as I mentioned just before we started recording, I owned this album on CD. I bought it, I think, the week it came out, but I haven't listened to it in its entirety for a long time. So I listened to it this week and made some notes about the songs, but I didn't make any notes about this song because this song has almost taken on a life of itself, hasn't it? You don't need notes for this song you can just talk about how it really did change what almost change what pop music is change what girl bands could do it was kind of xenomania xenomania's calling card i think uh, and this was the song that won them pop stars the rivals as well it was a number one uh, it was a big number one actually you when this song came out you couldn't uh switch on a music channel without seeing it those posters are up everywhere uh by girls by boys uh, it was just such a moment. And of course, it was Christmas number one as well, wasn't it? Yeah, lovely. The whole concept of Pop Stars Arrivals was they created a girl band or they whittled down singers to create a girl band and they created a boy band and then they put them together head to head for the Christmas number one. And so it was Girls Aloud and One True Voice. And I think, to be honest, I don't know about you, Will, I think a lot of people just assumed that One True Voice would walk away with it. Their song was a little bit more generic because it was a Christmas number one, it was a little bit more chilled, I suppose. Um, but Girls Aloud absolutely wiped the floor with them. I've got interesting pop fact for you, Dan. So this was, song was originally recorded by a girl group called Orchid, featuring a young lady called Louise Griffiths, who herself went on to appear in Fame Academy in 2003. Just another reminder of the times we were in when this album came out. I remember her on Fame Academy, and I really did enjoy Fame Academy. I thought it was a great show. Um, only ran for two series, didn't it? And then they seemed to do umpteen comic relief specials of it as well. Yes, yes, they did. Do you know how well it did in comparison to One True Voices single in terms of units shifted? I do not. 
Uh, so Girls Aloud sold around 213,000 copies of Sound of the Underground. One True Voice Sacred Trust uh, sold 147,000 copies. So they roundly thrashed the boys. Good for them. They did. And Dan, we have to talk about the video. And the yes. biggest crime committed in the video. Uh, I mean, it's a standard enough video. Kind of very uh, urban, shot in a warehouse. Uh, I guess looks like it's a bit underground. Uh, lots of metal and light bulbs swinging around. But my A bit industrial? In, very industrial. Very industrial. Slightly futuristic. Uh, but medieval. The stonework is very medieval. Uh, and there's a bit of sand on the ground. So it's quite Aztec. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no, that's sound of the underground, Will. <laughs> sand of the underground. Uh, no, the issue I have with the video is Nicola is almost barely in it. Uh, the way it's hmm. edited, it's like she doesn't exist. And I just think that's awful. That is awful. I haven't watched it for some years. I will watch it again with new eyes. Uh, but of course, the lovely Nicola, who we spoke about on uh, about her debut album earlier this year... Um, she one of the tracks she spoke a lot didn't she about her experiences in the band and the perceptions of her so perhaps that added to it now this isn't my favorite version of this song i know is it is it the flip and fill remix no <laughs> <laughs> although another, another sign of the times is there is a flip and fill remix for it no there's a performance edit of the of this song which you can find on the uh in the singles uh, box set that was released, that lovely silver case. And it has a different instrumental breakdown, um, which I absolutely love because it doesn't go as drum and bassy. It's a lot more Xenomania-y with a lot more guitars uh, and electronics. And let's just have a little listen to what I mean. I much prefer that. I love just, it's a nice meaty chunk of uh, lovely production uh, without a kind of drum and bass change. It is. I like that version. I I almost had money ready to put on the fact that you were going to choose, there was a Brian Higgins remix of it, wasn't it? I wasn't there on the CD single. I thought you were going to go for that. So. Uh... Oh, Dan, you've preempted my next point. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely does feel a little bit more, a bit more Kiss FM, as you said. But what I like about it is that actually the drums and the percussion feels the same, doesn't it? Because it is, there is that juxtaposition in the main version of the song of kind of trip hoppy drum beats with kind of almost classic rock guitars and then some sort of 80s synths thrown in. I mean, that is the Xenomania formula, really, isn't it? Mm. 
it is absolutely. And I do think uh, I would be self-indulgent to do a fourth version of the same song in uh, in the episode. Now, well, you did warn us that you had a few tangents today, but four versions of the same song. I've, you've uh, you've flummoxed even me, but let's do it. No, I didn't have one. I just said, do you think it would be two? I think three is more than enough. Three is a crowd. So track two now, and this is No Good Advice. good advice there dan that is a brilliant pop song i still absolutely love it and i would and i was obsessed with this with this song when it came out yeah likewise i actually prefer this to sound of the underground how about you yeah same absolutely yeah it was and it was the moment that really made me think that girls allowed were going to be something uh a bit more long-lasting something a bit different from just your standard girl group as well because they had the music to back up uh, the five strong women, great personalities. I can't fault the production on this. It is a glossy uh, piece of electro pop. You've got guitars in there. You've just, oh, it just sounds great. It really does. And I remember, actually, I remember the first time I heard this, I was in HMV uh, back when I lived up in Doncaster or just outside Doncaster. And we would spend hours just perusing the CDs in there. And this song came on. And I, th- I don't know if they announced it was Girls Aloud or just knew it was Girls Aloud. But likewise, I kind of knew straight away, OK, they're on something good here. And what was great for me is that previously, I suppose, to this, I loved Spice Girls and I liked kind of girl band pop music. Then I got really into 80s synthy electro music. And this is just a brilliant fusion of the two. Now, this was uh, Girls Aloud didn't like this song when it first uh, was played to them. Uh, and then I, they had a rapid change of heart. And I think then, at that point, that's where the, a more longer-term relationship started to form between the girls and Brian and Xenomania. I can I can kind of see why maybe they wouldn't like it because, again, as we said with Sound of the Underground, it's, it's really, it's not normal girl band music, or it wasn't at the time. So they were probably thinking that they go down some sort of, like, Spice Girls or All Saints path. And this is so different to that, but... And this song was originally written by Brian for Miranda Cooper, who went on to become a long-time collaborator with him uh, when she was going under the pseudonym and releasing music as Moon Baby. And have you heard any of the music that she recorded? It wasn't massive, uh, but she did do uh, a version of Here We Go, which was later released by Girls Aloud as well, and also Lenny from Aqua. She did also do a song called I'm Through, which was also later released by Alicia Dixon. Are you familiar? I've not heard any of that. Now, I don't even know if I knew that Miranda was uh, a singer before being part of... I I just put her with Xenomania in my brain. Well, Dan, let me give you a little blast of my favourite thing that Miranda did as Moon Baby, also uh, written and produced uh, by Brian and Xenomania. This is a great track. And it's called Kitsch Bitch Cools. Well, this is it. I want to be in the 
So, what did you think of that? So, despite the fact it's not, you know, maybe not officially a Xenomania production, I think you can definitely hear the elements of their sound on there. I, guess, I think it was great. I guess it was early days for them as a collective. Hmm. Um, but you mentioned Lene from Aqua. She also co-wrote No Good Advice, didn't she? Yes, absolutely. So nicely uh, nicely picked up that one. I think, yeah, she did spend some time writing and recording with Xenomania while she was recording her solo album. And that was obviously something that was doing the rounds in the workshops back then. Uh, back to No Good Advice. I love the video for this as well. The girls famously hated recording it because it was an incredibly uncomfortable, complicated shoot. But I think the end result looks really, uh, really classy. Well, I don't. If you can count five girls wrapped in uh, Baco foil, classy. I don't remember it too. Much. I remember something about was the were the cars on the video. Yeah. And holograms. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I, I don't need to watch it. I can. I've got enough of it stored in my brain box. Boop, boop, boop. Um. I really like. Obviously, the great thing about Girls Aloud is you've got five great singers uh, picked from the show. But I think Kimberly's voice really stands out in this one for me. This was a number two hit in the UK. So another massive one for them. And do you know what held it off the top spot? No, but I'm sure you do. I do. And I absolutely hate this song. Ignition Remix by R. Kelly. Oh, no. Don't mention R. Kelly. No. Well, I wish I hadn't. But... Just had to put that out there because I've never liked that song. It was, it was like number one for weeks, wasn't it? And it kept this off the top spot, probably kept another of our favourites off the top spot. I just never liked it. It's kind of annoying. So, track three? Yes. Track three, single three, Life Got Cold. So that was Wonderwall. Uh, well, not exactly, Will. But I must say that they had actually given Noel Gallagher a writing credit now on this because of the similarities uh, to Wonderwall. Yeah. And you know, what? I don't think I picked up on it on the time. I think it was only when I read about it afterwards, I kind of could hear what they were talking about. I don't think it was as obvious as some people, as as some might say. <laughs> <laughs> So quite nice of track three to have a change of pace to see their versatility. Uh, and also, I guess it's uh, the third track in a row that was recorded, uh, co-written and produced by Xenomania. Definitely. And yeah, it is, it's slowed down and it is a ballad, but it's not as schmaltzy as some ballads. And I suppose actually some of their later ballads did become. It's still got a bit of edge to it, which I really like, um, which is because of the production, but also because of the lyrics and how that kind of spoken part. Um, a couple of things I don't like about it, though. One, Cheryl talks about we choke as we smoke. Well, good, because you shouldn't be smoking. And it's a bad example to the to the young fans. Oh, secondly, well, that's... Dan, you, uh, to be fair, you used to love a, a puff on a fag. <laughs> I still do, but I've quit smoking. <laughs> also, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not in a, in a big uh, pop band, sadly. I'm still quite bitter about that. And also, we text as we talk... 
I hope it's not texting as you're talking to someone else because there's nothing that riles me more than when I'm talking to someone and I know that they've got their head in their phone and not listen to me. You once slapped my uh, phone out of my hand uh, when you were trying to talk to me. You got that angered by it. Well, yes, but you haven't done it again since, have you? So it, you did learn. So sadly, this song also wasn't a number one. This one peaked at number three. Will, I can ask you again, do you know what kept it off the top? Or do you know what two songs kept it off the top? Yes, number one was Lamar with Dance With You, uh, who was a Fame Academy graduate. Uh, again, a sign of the times. And at number two was a brilliant song, was Breathe. By uh, Blue Country Island, and Sean Paul. Mm. And it is a brilliant song. You're right. Again, another sign of the times because you think about those songs being the top three. Oh, happier times. Um, but in a way, as much as I really like this song, I always thought it was a great third single, kind of putting out a song called Life Got Cold in August, maybe not the best move. You're quite right. It's You want something... I mean, they rectified that, didn't they, uh, in years to come when they released a, a massive summer song in, in the middle of the summer. Uh, yes. Uh, so moving on now. Track number four. Uh, it's time to get up, Dan. Get dancing. It's Jump. So that was Jump, and of course, I don't need to ask you what film that was from, because everyone knows that was featured on the Love Actually soundtrack. Ah, yes. So it was featured on the soundtrack, but it wasn't actually the version of this song that was used in the film. That's correct. Apparently because they didn't think that people would know who Girls Aloud were while it was playing, which I find a bit strange, because I wouldn't know point, the, one of the Pointer Sisters if they happy slapped a phone out of my hand. So... You know, but I suppose their version of the song is more iconic. Do you have a favourite version of the song, Will? Um, well, it's still the Pointer Sisters version. Um, and if we're lucky, let's have a little bit of it. Girls Aloud version puts a donk on it. I don't think it does anything particularly clever to reimagine it other than making it a electronic dance pop track. Yeah, I just like the fact that even though we're kind of more used to Zenim, I don't know about you, I always think of Xenomania as songwriters foremost and then producers afterwards, mm. which of course they do the two together. But it's, it's something about the way that they build a song and the lyrics and things like that that really captures me. But this, they produced this version, didn't they? And I like that it does sound like a Xenomania production. But it's not as innovative or as unique in sound as some of the Xenomania productions that they've done for Girls Aloud. Uh, and this was another massive hit, number two in the singles chart it's got to. And you know what beat it? No. 
Are you, one of your favourites, actually, Will. Westlife, Mandy. Oh, God. <laughs> not just a Westlife song, but one of the worst ones, a cover of a song uh, that was already not that in- interesting in the first place. This is when they really did become just churning out material for what you like to call the Wet Knicker Brigade. <laughs> Before we do move on, just one thing I want to point out, actually, just going back to the the fact that it was uh, recorded for Love Actually. I don't know how true this is because I will admit it, I did read it on Wikipedia, but apparently Richard Curtis called Xenomania to tell them that he thought that Girls Loud would do a good cover of this song. I wouldn't have imagined Richard Curtis has been so hands-on in that sense. The only thing that kind of sways me is that if you do listen to his the, the soundtracks for his films... He really has got his finger on the pulse of pop music. Uh, And one thing that really kind of always makes me... I've I've read before, I've read in, I think it was an interview in Empire when he talked about how he does this. I think it was about before time. And there's a scene set a few years previously at a house party and Tattoo, all the things she said, is playing. And I I read that it was him that kind of put the soundtrack together to create that, that sense of time and where we are in that film, which is all about time. And there's nothing that really sends the pangs of nostalgia through you when you hear a song that reminds you about a very specific point in time or time of your life as well. Um, and music's, a, music's a brilliant thing for that, isn't it? It's, you could, oh, you it could is. hear a song that completely stop you in your tracks because of its association. Should we move on? Track five now, and this is Some Kind of Miracle. That was some kind of miracle, and on this version of the album we're listening today, this is a new mix of the track that previously appeared on the first release of the album. Yes, this is a single version, which uh, originally this song was slated to be a single, uh, but it got bumped in favour of... Jump. Got bumped for jump. (laughs) And so, Will, what do you think this would have been? Because you said that you didn't think that jump kind of... uh, you know, didn't really do a lot to the original. Um, do you think this would have made a better fourth single or do you think Jump was the right way to go? I think when you get to single number four, a cover is a good way to go, such as the the, the law of dwindling returns, that having a cover version of a very familiar song does help. So maybe not. And I have to say, while I like this song, and this is another Xenomania production, um, I don't think it is as strong as those first three singles. So I don't think it would have fared as well and, you know, if this had charted low, you know, could have sent the girls on a different career path. So I think Jump was definitely the right way to go. But I think it's a great album track. And actually, this was meant to be the third single uh, in, instead of Life Got Cold. And then it got pushed. Oh. And then it was pushed again because of Jump. Um, I do. I love the chorus of this song, though. Yeah, there's a nice kind of build up and lift to the chorus. Uh, and it definitely kind of because now we're on track five and we're on the fourth original song there definitely is a sound to the whole album isn't there i guess these, these are 
the sounds of the underground. And I used to think the album was called Sounds of the Underground, but it is just sound, isn't it? Mind the gap. Sometimes with a pop album, you get lots of different writers and collaborators just all chucked in and it doesn't really gel. But it definitely feels like there's some cohesion to this collection. So as I mentioned, this was another Xenomania co-write. Uh, one name on here is Tim Powell, but another one is Adele Lynch. So Adele, of course, of Bewitched fame, uh, and this is her only co-write on the album. I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, Will, I don't think she went on to do a lot of writing for other artists. Oh, no, absolutely. And listeners do correct us if we're way off, but I, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with anything else she's had a co-write in. Now, Dan, strap yourself in, put your crash helmet on. We're heading into album track territory. It could be a bumpy ride. We'll see. Track number six now is All I Need, All I Don't need or I don't. Dan? Well, just before we even get to what I think, just to point out as well, not only are we in album track territory, this is the first original song not written by Xenomania as well. So what do I think? I really like that one. Yeah. I think it's great. I love the synth. It's more electronic. It's kind of the synth is quite squelchy, which I said the other week and you liked, so I'm going to say it again. Um, it feels a little bit Richard X. But of course, it's not him, but I got a real Richard X vibe to that one. And I tell you where it wouldn't be out of place. It wouldn't be out of place on the Holly Valance album, State of Mind. And it's funny you say that, but I think you might be leading to something. So I'll leave it over to you. No, not at all. Just tell me what you're thinking. Oh, really? Yeah, tell me what's on your well, let... Tell me what's on your mind. Can we take that offline, actually? Let's just get back to Girls Alive. Yeah, it's a very dark place. So this song was co-written by Peters and Peters which is Chris and Drew Peters, who are brothers. And Chris has um, uh, played bass and produced as part of the band Electric Six. Do you remember those? Oh, danger, danger. High voltage. Where'd we touch? And, uh, gay bar. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dan, I, I don't want to take you to a gay bar. You've been to more, you've been to more than enough. I think that's probably quite true. Um, but also, Peters and Peters have worked with a handful of artists, including Black Eyed Peas. They uh, co-wrote Don't Lie, which I think is an absolutely fantastic Black Eyed Peas song. And they've also worked on Holly Valance's State of Mind album. Ah, do you know what? I didn't even know that. I was just going, I was just using my musical ear to, to look for some comparisons. So, yeah, it's a nice, it's a really nice mid-album track. Yeah, it really is. It, it, almost... Um, quite sultry and quite laid back compared to some of the kind of angst of those like no good advice and sound of the underground yeah in the mix of the album very well placed track number seven now uh and we're going to do the do on this one it is mars And Mars Attack there and the immortal words. What a fun song. It definitely is a fun song. It it sounds to me like a bit of a distant cousin of uh, Sound of the Underground, despite the fact, again, it's a different writing and production team on this one. 
Yeah, it's Betty Boo and the Beatmasters. So pop stars in their own right uh, from back in the 90s. Dan, are you familiar with any work from Betty Boo and the Beatmasters? So I am not at all. And that is, I think, a bit of a crime. But I do know that they were supposed to be a mighty hoopla this year, weren't they? Or certainly Betty was. Is Betty Boo herself separate to Betty Boo and the Beatmasters? So I'm going to play you a little bit of something now. Uh, this is the Beatmasters featuring Betty Boo. It's Hey DJ, I Can't Dance. listened to that for so long until i just played it to you then and i forgot how brilliant it is that's the first time i've heard it will and it'll probably be the last as well oh really <laughs> yeah um I, I love what they've done with mars attack and <laughs> there's a a couple of other collabs uh with girls Aloud that have done that I really like as well but just, that one just didn't quite didn't sit well with me that's okay that's okay you gotta you gotta say how it's, you feel uh, they always have a couple of more slightly fun off the wall tracks on every album. If we think about like "Live in the Country," "Fling," oh god, yeah. on previous on other future albums, on this one they've got "Mars Attack" and a song we might not get the chance to talk to talk about today because it's not on this reissued version, uh, but "Love Bomb" as well. Well, will we might get chance? I'm listening. I'm winking at you to talk about it later. Ah. So, but yeah, so that and Love Bomb, which we might be talking about later if we're lucky. <laughs> if we're very lucky. So track eight now, we're back with Xenomania. And Dan, this is what the boy from the chip shop said to you when you showed him your unbattered sausage. You freaked me out. <laughs> That is You Freak Me Out. Got two things to say about that one, Will. Yes. What a fun song and definitely an album track. It's definitely an album track. It reminds me of a very, of a, more of a generic kind of American pop, punky pop singer. Uh, and it was used on a soundtrack to Freaky Friday. Have you seen the film? Uh, I haven't, no. And I won't. Me neither. Well, I was going to say, we've got Disney Plus now, so... Um... We could have a watch along if you like. Oh, is that the next evolution of from um, the track by track tweet alongs uh, to the yes. watch alongs? Anyway, I don't want to. I, I think... don't want to linger on this one for too long. Um, I think it's it's not considering it's a Xenomania production. It's not as again exciting, innovative. Uh, I think it served its purpose in a uh, track for a soundtrack for a film that is international. You summed it up. You said everything I was going to say. Let's move on. Oh, thank God for that. So track number nine. But however, that still wasn't my uh, time to talk about the artwork song. So I know it is already. (laughs) Of course I do. Uh, Track number nine now. And this is Girls Aloud with the W's. (laughs) 
you know, when this album first came out, this was like the the Girls Aloud theme song for me. I always thought it was a really nice kind of sum up of their sound and their attitude. Yeah, and I just I do love a good pun in a in a song title. Uh, take that and party, or, or spectacular, I suppose, for a, as an album. So Girls Aloud, spelt like this. I'm I'm, I'm in straight away. It's also my favourite non single track on the album. Which I was going to say that does surprise me because it's not Xenomania, but then again, you've got so many great Xenomania singles and they've got so much other good stuff in there. That, that, maybe that doesn't surprise me. I, I'm not fussy who who produces it and writes it. It just has to be good. You're not a label whore. No, absolutely not. This was a co-writer on this was Brian McFadden. Oh, former of Westlife fame. Yeah, former dickhead from Westlife. Um <laughs> Uh, and Graham Stack as well, who's done work for lots of acts that you'll know, like Kylie, like Take That, Steps, Westlife, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he co-wrote Kylie's uh, On a Night Like This, which I think is potentially my favourite song ever of hers. So he is a genius in my eyes. So I love his work on this. But it's really interesting to hear Brian McFadden as a co-writer for someone else. And again, the same with Adele Lynch. I did think, oh, this is probably going to lead to him did lots of co-writing for the people and it didn't did it nope it didn't let's move on now to track number 10 and time to put the kettle on uh, this is forever and Forever and a night. That is really the big ballad moment, isn't it? We've said before, life got cold, isn't your standard girls, uh, girl band ballad, excuse me. This is. What a great time to talk about the fantastic artwork. Uh, and I guess there's two you could pick from. If we were going with the reissue artwork, you've got that iconic first Girls Aloud logo in multicolours uh, with the girls all dressed in black against a white background. Or... The original one, which is my preference, uh, is the same logo, uh, but in uh, pink and green. And the girls are in their silver No Good Advice video uh, outfits in front of microphone stands, which I think is the more iconic image. And it's absolutely stunning. Yeah, I do love, I do prefer the first one, I have to say. The second one just seems a little generic. Yep, and rushed. The other one is more stylized. I think it really suits their, again, their attitude and their sound, this kind of like retro colour scheme of green and pink, but with the kind of metallic outfits. Really good. Uh, but this song, however, I'm not a fan of the Girls Allowed Ballads. I think if I had to pick one, See the Day would probably be, be, probably be the one. Uh, but this feels a little bit too schmaltzy for my liking. I'm so glad you said See the Day because that's my favourite of the ballad ballads as well. But so many others go for a whole lot of history, which I really don't like at all. So uh, just before we do move on from this one, I just want to point out that it was produced by Brian Rawling of Metrophonic. And we have talked about Brian Rawling and Metrophonic before when we talked about Cher. He's also worked with Tina Turner. And I think this song does feel like it could be one of those real divas delivering it. So I think perhaps 
it's a great ballad, but just not right for what we want from these this edgy new girl band. So we're on to track number 10 now, uh, and this is Love Hate. Is it love hate? Sound of the Underground Part 2, as I like to call it. Yeah, definitely does feel... I think I said, what song did I say before? Was it Mars Attack? I said it felt like a distant cousin. This could be even even more... Even closer, maybe a sister to uh, Sound of the Underground. But, you know, if something works, you know, continue. Do a bit more. Tweak it, make it different, but carry on. So this one, for me, does feel a little bit more sort of drum and bass almost leaning towards that uh live in the country sound and this one was of course xenomania again and this one was co-written by nyara scarlet and uh prior to working with xenomania she did appear on some singles as a vocalist on some kind of dub and garage and house uh, singles so I, I always felt like maybe she that's the kind of sound that she's bringing to xenomania whereas of course when some of the Xenomania tracks that she isn't part of, like uh, Biology and things like that, don't have those elements to them. It's, it's a pleasant enough track. A uh, good album track. Good, solid album track. Yes, I would 100% agree. Uh, on to track 12 now. Oh, we've suddenly picked up speed, haven't we? It's funny when you get yes, into some of, the, so, some of the later album tracks on an album. Well, this one might surprise you. So this is... Uh, we're back with Betty Boo and the Beatmasters again for Boogie Down Love. So that was Boogie Down Love. And once again, that was Betty Boo and the Beatmasters there. And I think you can really tell that, can't you? They've got a bit of a bit of wackiness, which I actually don't mind on these songs. Oh, no, I love this one. Boogie Down Love. I was jumping around the place like a hyperactive milkman. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> so Milkshake. Uh, milkshake. Yeah, I was doing the milkshake. And it certainly brought all the boys to the yard. Mm, absolutely to die for. Your udders. <laughs> Milky udders. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, anyway, so yeah, I love the little touches, like you say, just a bit of character in there. Like the, the bells in there are just wonderful. The bells are absolutely lovely. They reminded me a bit of the Tampere. What song was it when they had the bells? Was it do, Hammer to do, the Heart? Do. No, what's she going to look like with a chimney on her? The, that, that one didn't have the bells. Oh, it did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although uh, Hammer, to the, Hammer uh, to the Heart was the better single, obviously, but that's not for today. No, but we should do that album. No, actually, maybe we shouldn't. No, it's so three singles. <laughs> <would be great. laughs> Load of toot. Load of toot on there otherwise. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Boogie Down Love. You're right, love. Yeah, very You're good. You're right, Boogie Down Love. You're right, Booty Love. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we'd do Booty Love. As- no, <laughs> let's do the couple of singles. <laughs> 
Uh, so, so yes. Should we move on? Yes, move on now to track number thirteen. Uh, stop. Another one of my album highlights, uh, or as I like to call it, No Good Advice Part 2. <laughs> uh, when I first saw the track listing for this album, I thought, oh, they've done a Spice Girls cover. You know, quite iconic, two big five-piece British girl bands. Uh, sadly not. But do you like it? No, I do like it. I do think that there is so much Xenomania gold on here that actually, you know, there's a reason why it's an album track. But it is very good. It's very infectious in the chorus. What I find really interesting is that when they did bring out the re-release, this one got bumped down quite a lot. This was in the middle of the track listing originally, and it got bumped down to the penultimate track. And I can't remember who we were talking about recently. We, we, we read a quote from someone who said something about a certain song was the penultimate track because it was like one of the worst songs um, and I don't think that about this one, but it's just interesting that they shoved it back a little bit. Surely you shouldn't be putting any song onto an album that you're considering to be not very good or one of the worst. Surely you should think highly of everything that ends up on an album. But then there's Surely. no song to talk about the album artwork. <laughs> well, that suits me. But what about the the record buying public? OK, so we're on to track number 14 now. Is this the last track on the album? This is the last track on the album proper. Uh, on the album proper, there is a bonus track. But as you know, if you're a regular listener, we are very pure. We don't do bonus tracks. And you can buy a T-shirt from our merch store that does say that <laughs> on it. Uh, because the one that says, what a great time to talk about the fantastic artwork is out of stock. Yeah, only in XXL at the minute. So. Uh... Oh, all right for you then. Shall we? Right, so let's play track 14, <laughs> White Lies. <laughs> on the album there White Lies well do you know who we've not heard from for a long time Peter out yeah and this album definitely hasn't because that is one of my favourites it's probably He's one not of yet. sorry no I just wanted to confirm I didn't think he was here today just want to confirm that I think this could be one of the most traditional pop songs that's less experimental less hooky less gimmicky than a lot of the tracks on this album I think you're right. And there's probably a very good reason for that, Will, because this one was co-written by Tim Keller. And Tim has been a member of Simply Red, uh, has written with Lighthouse Family. He was the co-founder of Olive, who, of course, had that huge smash, You're Not Alone. Uh, and more recently, he's written with people including Teo Cruz. So that would kind of make perfect sense that it is a more radio-friendly, standard pop track, but a very good quality one. It's a very good quality one. Uh, I think it's a great way to end the album on a high. 
Um, and I mean, this is the reissue of the album. If we went back to the original version, then this album also finishes on this song as well. So Dan, I know this is the last track on the album and we do always have a rule of, you know, we're very pure, we don't talk about bonus tracks, but we haven't mentioned your favourite group this episode, which I think is a first. So maybe if we talked about the bonus track, you get an opportunity to mention them. Thank God you said that. I was really <laughs> struggling. <laughs> so there is a track 15 bonus track on the reissue of the album, and it's a cover of Girls on Film by Duran Duran, and it goes a little something like this. So, Dan, in this case, I think probably what I think about this is irrelevant. It's what you think about this cover. Okay, you put me in a real difficult position here, Will, because this is one of my favourite kind of Duran Duran classic singles. Oh, no. Um, So what I do like about this, I mean, with songs like No Good Advice, I did say before that it's got a real 80s sound to it, the, the guitars mixed with the kind of shimmering synths it, and there was part of that that really did make me think of the elements that bring Duran Duran together so I like the kind of I like hearing Xenomania producing uh, a Duran Duran track there's just for me I, there's something about the vocal that feels a little bit like you know with no good advice and sound of the underground it's their song and they're like really putting their stamp on it and going for it and this just feels a little bit like I don't think they're giving it all but it's a fun cover. I, I do I do appreciate it. It's a fun cover. I think for me, yeah, it's a fun cover in the same vein that Jump was a fun cover of the original, even though the original still stands up as being the best. Mm. I'd even go as far to say I prefer the cover of Jump, despite the fact that I don't like that song as much, because I don't think they bring as much difference to this Girls on Film cover. Which, which <laughs> I never asked. Um, <laughs> Maybe um, cut that out of the episode. <laughs> no, no, no. You've got to take the rough with the smooth. So, Dan, further listening time. And as mentioned before, we do want to go back and touch upon some of those other albums. So we're sticking to this era of Girls Aloud, aren't we? Yes. And Dan, I'd love for you to go first. Oh, super. So we mentioned this song earlier. This is one of the bonus tracks from the original release of the album. So this is Love Bomb. does remind me of the Spice Girls of the Spice Girls yeah just that kind of um the sort of playful song they'd always do at the end of their albums yeah I think that's what I love about it it's playful and when I did as I say I had that first album on CD and this was a bonus track but I just really liked the playfulness of it it's less than three minutes so it's a little kind of cherry bomb but it did appear for anyone who didn't get the first version of this CD. This was written by, I should say, by Betty Boo and the who were they? The Beatmasters. Yeah. 
and um, it did appear on the B-side of the Jump CD single. And I'm just looking at all the different track listings for the different variations of the Jump single. There's some really good stuff on there. So they had, this was the B-side along with Girls Aloud, but they also had their cover of Grease from Grease Mania, one of those terrible ITV1 uh, tribute variety act things. Oh, I thought you'd love those. Oh, ABBA Mania probably more likely. Abermany, well, I mean, sometimes it's you know, it's nice to see Steps do Lay All Your Love On Me, but then you've also got Denise Van Outen doing Gimme, 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 which is also very good. Um, it also had the almighty remix of Girls Aloud, and it also had the Beatmasters remix of Grease on there. So lots of good content on there. Yeah. Uh, Will, what do you have? So I have gone for a uh, B-side uh, they had a few in this era, not as many as they would were to go on to have. But I'm going to play a little bit of Girls Aloud on a round. So that was on a round. What a burst of energy that is. It really is. And do you know what, Will? I've never heard that song before. Oh, really? Oh, good. Well, that's what further listening is designed to do, isn't it? It really is. Um, I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. So this was a B-side to No Good Advice. And one of the co-writers on this was one Karen Paul. Lovely Karen Paul, who we were tweeting along to Alicia's Attic's debut solo album with a few weeks ago. Yes, lovely. Yeah, what a fun song. Is it is it wrong to say definitely a B-side? No, not at because all. Because actually, as as we've said often with bands like uh, Pet Shop Boys as well, we you know a B-side is sometimes a B-side for a reason, and that reason isn't a bad reason. It's because it's more experimental or for whatever reason. It was a great B-side. I loved it. We're out of time. Such a shame. But what a fun romp through Girls Aloud's debut that was. So do let us know what you thought to it at Track by Track UK across various mediums of social media. And please, please, please give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts if you enjoy what you're listening to, but only if you enjoy it. Yes, there's no need to bring a neg- negativity to us. Thank you very much. No, we're very positive people. We're not negative Nellies. So Dan, can you give us a hint of a tease? Uh, as to what's coming up next. Yep. So next week, after my birthday weekend, just going to throw that out there, uh, we are going to be talking about a Scottish DJ producer who has become one of the most renowned DJ producers in the world. But we're taking it right back to his first album, which is acceptable at any time. Oh, you've said too much. What I would say, actually, is I think for both of us, it's by Country Mile, his best work. And we talked about this on our teaser episode way back when. So we are finally getting to tick off some of those. Until next time, I have been Miranda Cooper, a.k.a. Moon Baby. And I have been Brian Higgins. Goodbye. Goodbye. Inspector Sands, please go to the operations room immediately.